more and more as I get to church, I'm coming expecting God to do stuff. Amen. He's alive and real. He's in this place. He's inside of us. And uh, we've been going through a series uh, for the last well, five weeks or so. We're talking about living, the day-to-day realities of living. Firstly, Jesus, or us living in Jesus, us living in him, the old uh, terminology, abiding in him. And uh, we've been doing that for the last five weeks, and we've been trying to just bake it down into a really simple formulation as best I can. Um, you've heard me say it before in the early couple of sermons, but let's start there again. Uh, as we come to the Lord, he, he, he sends his Son. Uh, we're told at the very beginning, the Word was made flesh, that is, Jesus Christ, being the Word of God, was made flesh. And our work, when he came, was to look on him and decide what we're going to do with him. Are we going to believe him? And so our first step is that we hear his word, we see his son, we read the Bible, we love this thing. I mean, reading the word at the moment is just absolutely coming alive for me. As we hear it, we decide what we're going to do with it. And And the the Bible Bible itself itself says this book really really doesn't doesn't do anything anything for you unless you believe it. Unless Unless it's mixed with faith, it says in Hebrews. And so so when we talk about the act of abiding in Jesus, Essentially, he said, if you eat my flesh, drink my blood, you will abide in me. That very act of abiding in him is this act of believing in him and staying in that place of I believe. And if we know what true faith is like, is that it's, this belief is not just something that's held in a vacuum. It utterly changes you inside out. And it changes you in the way that you act so that everything you do is exactly acting consistently with that, that true belief of trust in him. So what, so what do you do? You, do? you follow his, his commands, you do his works. works. Um, Peter, Peter preached on having uh, his love worked out, out in us because we are obeying his commands. Jordan, Jordan talked about a sense of the way, way we pray. We pray, pray big prayers believing because we believe. We believe the word. Yeah, yeah, last week, uh, Rod was speaking about the abiding him. We stay in him. We actually overcome all of sin that work against us. So that, so that is the art of abiding in him. His basic core is that we believe and we act accordingly. And so you break it down here and we believe and we do. A lot of religion actually stops there. A lot of doctrine that we may have heard in the past is kind of just that. It's kind of like, okay, we, we, we hear some doctrines, we kind of agree with them and we do some things consistent with them. And that's the sum of our religious experience. And who knows there's actually a bit more than that. The basic basic premise of Christianity is there's something experiential that happens. There's an actual thing thing that happens when when you believe, when when you do. do. Something happens and it's experiential. It's not not just that we describe spiritual words to our otherwise normal life. Something actually happens inside of us. You can feel it's real and alive. And as he's hit me so hard the last six months, I hope I can convey something of that to you today. That it is real as inside. So this, this, as, as we, we transition, transition today, we are, are going to start, start talking about the experience of God. That not, not just that we believe in done, we are now experience and realise the fruit of our faith. And the first thing we're going to talk about is His Spirit. His Spirit comes to us inside of us. Amen. Right, let's pray together. Precious Spirit, we speak in you today. So Lord, Lord, I pray you would hear and that you would touch us. That they would not be mere words, Lord. I know I'm utterly dry and boring of my own. Father, I pray as your word is spoken, as your spirit 
speaks through me, Father, that you would work, Father, that we would see things change, Lord, that we would see things shaken, Lord, that we'll see desire stirred up, and that we'll see you poured out, even as your word describes. Precious Spirit, be here with us, I pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So this, so this is the point, point at which the, what, what we believe and what we do is going to become reality. reality. I just want to start at the very beginning about our salvation, just the basics of the reality of God and our salvation. Right? Uh, let's uh, let's turn with me to the very beginning of John, John chapter 1. Let's start at verse 12. It's kind of a little introduction, almost executive summary of what John was going to happen. He says, but as many as received him, we talked about this just before. The art is Jesus has been sent into the word of God made flesh. As many as received him, as as believed in to them, he gave right to become children of God. Verse 12. To those who believe in his name, who were born, and this is the big one, he starts describing a reality. Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You can, you can flip, flip that page over, over to John, John chapter 3, where Jesus starts speaking to this ruler, uh, Nicodemus, one of the Pharisees. Uh, his question is clearly an understanding that Jesus is a great teacher. So look, 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 look. Yeah, God's clearly with you. Tell me you're here. And then uh, Jesus says in uh, John 3, 3, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. He starts talking about something that is reality, something that's actually changing in people who believe. In verse 5, he says, if you believe yourself, you get happy, you're born again. And again, some people criticise Nicodemus going, yeah, that's pretty obvious for some kind of analogy here. Um, going on, this is just referring to you know, figure of speech. Nicodemus would have got that. But he's like, how do you think you get challenged? How can you get a new start? What is the debate we've got here? It's not like Nicodemus is talking about the idea of an analogy. Um, Jesus goes very clearly, I'm sure I say to you, unless they have born of water and spirit. Now, when the spirit is talking about the truth of cleansing, you can't harken back to Ezekiel 36, where the God describes, I'm going to cleanse you with water, and I'm going to put my spirit inside of you. So he says, You must be born of water and the spirit, cleansed, and have his spirit inside of you. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. And he starts to talk about this reality. A reality is not in the normal observable sense in that you know, we don't see the wind, and that's why he uses this. He said it describes it as a wind. You see its effects, you see what's going on. Its experience is very real, um, but you don't see it with the same eyes that you're used to in the natural. And that is the nature of the spiritual work that God does within us, is that is something very real is happening, and you will feel it, you will see it. Uh, you won't see it necessarily with a normal kind of eyes. Uh, you won't necessarily see it in the way you might normally expect with the natural, but there are some real things that are going to start going on there. And so this reality is a really powerful thing because it starts to talk about the nature by which we get close to God. How can we please God? If you go to Romans 8, you don't need to turn there just now, but just to give you a quick summary. It says those who are in the flesh can't even please God. There's something so fallen about our nature that there's nothing we can do that would even please him. And he says, but you are not in the flesh because God has done something to you. He says, you are in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. He's talking about this nature of this new birth. Inside of you, his spirit, spirit is born. 
Because there's this same spirit, spirit which was in Christ Jesus, Jesus in you, which was also been raised from the dead. It's a great promise of hope in that. But fundamentally, he's done something inside of us. He's put his spirit within us. And, and that is why we can please, please God. That's why we can come to Him in any capacity whatsoever, because He has done a work inside us. And if He didn't do that, we couldn't relate to God in any way whatsoever. I was reading uh, the other day just the way Moses spoke with God as a man face to face. Oh, man, to be like that, to call his friends, to be with him face to face. And even He wasn't asked to see the face of God, but we give Him some things. Let's turn to the kind of thrust of the message. We're going to go to John chapter 14. This is coming fast and one of my favourite passages on the whole topic. Go to John chapter 14, verse 16. Give me a moment to turn there. There's a lot in this. John chapter 14, verse 16. He's been putting some pretty big expectations of what he's going to put his disciples. Here he says something he's going to do. He says, I'll pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. Sometimes, Sometimes we need to understand the reality of God, God the biggest thing is that right at the end there, he says, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. Does anyone think of that passage in Romans 8 where it says, he's given us a spirit or something, I'm not sure what that is, he's given a spirit of... Adoption. That's, that's right. right. We are children of God. And, and again, and that's something that he's experienced. It's a spirit that cries out and he says, Have a father. It's not something that comes just from your own revelation. It's actually something birthed within you. The spirit cries out. And this is when we start talking about the nature of the experience we get. Is that God's love can be shed water inside of our hearts. It can actually change us. We can feel it. I say that because I've been experiencing it over and over again in my homes and I pray that he comes inside and the love that can overwhelm you because he knows his love, he loves us and he pours it out in our hearts by the Spirit. I'm not going to leave you all for this. I'm not going to leave you for taking your promises. I give you the Spirit that you can feel and know my love. But then there's other amazing things the Spirit starts to do. The first one is his relationship with him. There are so many things we're going to talk about as we get into the Spirit and what God can do through us. Because this entire part of the series is getting to Christ now living in us. There's some reality. He's going to do some amazing things in us and through us. The top of his power. We're going to be unpacking that over the next three, four, five weeks. But this is the very first point. That kind of first connection with him, being his child, being his son and his daughter, is beautiful. Because we see God not... Because he's going to do great things through us. 
14 he says I'm going to pray to the father and he will give you another helper and he's going to do some other things and I want to just unpack that a little by just looking at the, the experience of Jesus and we're going to do that briefly where we haven't got a heap of time but let's just talk through this Luke chapter 3 and we'll just do a little walk through what Jesus experienced the Holy Spirit Luke chapter 3, verse 16. John the Baptist is baptizing, proclaiming the coming of the Lord, all in summary. Um, and it's saying, 
Something additional. And the most remarkable thing to me is that in, in verse 22, what happens when Jesus comes to John? John sees this vision of this most amazing man. He said, Lord, I have need of being baptized by you. He said, No, no, I am going to be baptized. And what happens to Jesus after he's baptized? Something phenomenal happens. The Holy Spirit descends in bodily form like a dove. And a voice comes from heaven saying, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. But the way the Luke narrative describes this is this is a turning point. The Holy Spirit has descended. What happens? Verse, if you just quickly flip through, we'll do a quick tour. Chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus, this is the first time we see it in reference to him, being filled with the Spirit, returns from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Then you get to verse 14, exciting. He goes through that experience with the devil and he is an overcomer. Then he comes back, verse 14, then Jesus returned in what? In the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And things are starting to explode at this point. Jesus, who people weren't really aware of other than the carpenter's son for 30 years, suddenly has an explosion of God in him. The power of the Spirit working through him now and starting to perform mighty signs and wonders in his midst. There's miracles, there's healings, there's deliverance. And he comes down to Nazareth and he opens a page of the Bible to read it in the synagogue. And he finds this place, and this is verse 18 and 19, one of my all-time favourite passages. As we see him read, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And why was it upon him? Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He had the power of the Spirit on him because the Lord anointed him for a purpose. When, John was, sorry, when Jordan was speaking a couple of weeks ago, he said that God has given us a very great mission and for that reason he has given us great tools as well. In fact, Jesus himself said, as the Father sent me, I send you. Do you know what he said immediately after that? He breathed on them that they would receive the Holy Spirit. If we believe in the Great Commission for us, that he sends us in the same way that God sent Jesus, we also believe that he gives us the same power, that the same Spirit... He wants to put upon us. He anoints us for the same purpose. He gives us the same spirit, the same power for that same purpose. And towards the end of Luke, literally Jesus is leaving the disciples saying, this is what you're waiting for next. The end of John, the same position. We're waiting for you to receive the Holy Spirit now because God is going to endure you with power from on high, it says in Acts. And from there we get this great outpouring. And it's... it's Kind of unfortunately, kind of running out of time because just you know what God's been kind of unpacking for me lately has been just huge. But let's just talk about this one experience because if we could get this in this place, I would be very, very happy. Um, and I'll tell you why I think in just a second as well. For anyone who doesn't know, in Acts chapter 2, the disciples are waiting, they've been sent with this same mission, but they're waiting for God's power. So, anyway, Jesus. Received power, they were, knew they were going to receive it also. 
and they're all in one accord in one place and the uh, spirit comes like a mighty rushing wind, splits like fire upon their heads and they begin to explode. And Peter gets up, up in the middle of this explosion and it's wild, there's tongues spilling out in the street. People, people are people, people are drunkenness and all kinds. But, but the reality is that Peter is a new man. He wasn't exactly a bad man, but what he used to have. And he can reveal things in this ministry, but now there's this new Peter that's come through, one that's filled with the Spirit, and he preaches an amazing sermon. And he talks about that this here which is happening, the Spirit has been poured out, is because this is what Jesus was promising. This is what he had promised. And at the very end, let's just go, if you can, with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent, let every one of you be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The same gift that you see, the same promise. And he says, For this promise, this promise of the Holy Spirit has been described in this, in this same sermon, this promise is to you and your children, to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So my question is, is that, does that include us? Is this promise of the Spirit for us? And we can only do anything but say a hearty amen. It is for all. It's for you and your children, not just for these first 120. It is for you and your children. And not just those immediately hearing. He says, to all who are far off, to as many as God will ever call in his name. And if you know the prophecy he was talking about, the prophecy of Joel, he's talking about in the last days. And there's very good reason to say that we are still in those last days, maybe the last of the last days. But in this same period where we can call upon God and be saved, and in this same period he is pouring out his spirit. At this point, I just, we're just going to end because we're getting close to the end of the service, but I just want to encourage with a couple of things. First is that there's, if you're going to desire anything, desire this gift. Okay, the Apostle Paul talked about earnestly desiring the gifts of God. And he was talking about the, the charismatic gifts, the charisma. But when he's talking about that, if you go back even further to Luke, and everything we're talking about, we kind of started this whole series off with desiring the things of God, that we really want the things that he's got for us. And he said, if you would ask, you're going to receive. If you're going to seek, you will find. If you'll knock, the door will be open to you. And Luke makes it very clear that is in relation to the, his Holy Spirit, because God gives his Holy Spirit to those who ask. So if you don't desire anything at all, like what we said before, Jesse, you know, just stir up the side. Because the reality is, you know, we could keep this whole thing off. A lot of us really don't care. We're so full of other things. We're quite happy. We're rich. We're well contented. We're quite well pleasured in this world. But I know that. But if you desire anything, desire this gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit. And the and reason, reason I, I say, say this to you, as people who are saved, is because the same message was preached to people who were saved. There are five times in Acts where the same spirit was poured out on people. And in most of those, it's a distinct event. In Samaria, people who believe with great joy have been baptized, but others were told that by the laying on of hands, this gift was given. In fact, three of them are specifically told that the gift of the spirit came by the laying on of hands. It's not the only way it came. But it can come that way. And that tells us something about what it is. It is the gift of God, and it is certain that we are to receive it. Jesus said that he spoke of the living water inside. There's no question that this gift is for us. 
talked about the giving of the Holy Spirit is it's not our work. It's not something we, we do. It's, it's a gift. And in, in fact, fact even, even when we come to ask the Lord for it, we are saying, the Lord pray. We told, told him, him, and that's in John 14, he prayed for us. He said, I will pray to the Father, and he will give us the Spirit. So we just ask the Lord to do whatever he wants to do in this place. And so, so we need to pray together. Just ask the Lord, do what you would do. But most of all, Lord, give us your good gifts. And you don't have to give us the Spirit. May that even happen in this place. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you have sent your Son. And the promise of your Son is that he is the baptizer in the Spirit. This is a great work of yours, Lord, that you would pour out, that you would fall upon your people, Father, I would ask that even today, Lord, even as we would seek your face, even as we would ask you for it, Father, that you would fall in this place. Well, I think there's nothing that we ponder up, Lord, there's nothing that we do in this act, Father, there's something that we receive of you, Father, so even now we open our hearts and our arms, our hands to say, Lord, do this as you will, we we'll repent of our sins, Lord. We we'll repent even of the way we may have grieved you in the past. We we'll repent, Lord. We can shun those things that you need to do. And say, so, Lord, do whatever you want to do. Send your spirit, Lord. 
fill us, Lord, with your glory, so I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.